This is Fed Up, the podcast by Falcon Nutrition, and I'm your host, Jason Falcon. This podcast will feature coaches, current and former clients, industry colleagues and peers, as well as a handful of others that we feel will bring value to your life as you continue on your nutrition journey. Enjoy, thank you for listening, and let's have some fun. All right, we are recording, we are live. Welcome back to the podcast. Today should be super, super cool. This is one that... uh, before he was even a member of the team, I was hoping he would end up on here. Now he is a fellow coach here at Falcon Nutrition. And today I have Tom on board with us. Tom, how's it going, man? Good. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it always feels a little corny because rather than uh, recording right off the bat and, and launching straight into recording, uh, we usually like chat and small talk for five minutes, but then I have to say, how's it going again? <laughs> and we go through it. So uh, for, for people that don't record podcasts, uh, there's a, there's a lot of a corny factor, but they're, they're a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, uh, typically first time on the podcast for a coach, we split it into sort of two segments. The first one is the coach telling the listeners, um, sort of their story, which I think everyone, uh, is sort of afraid or embarrassed to do. So it's usually the most uncomfortable part. And then we can talk about fun things that are near and dear to us. So, and that's, that's what we'll do on this one. We want everyone listening to know, sort of Tom's background, um, who he is, who he was, how he arrived to being who he is today. And so let's start there. Tom, tell us about yourself, man. <laughs> so I'm uh, about to be 39. I live in North New Jersey, about 10 minutes from New York City. I have two boys, seven and four, very high energy and active. So they're a lot of fun. Sounds familiar. Married to my wife, Danica, almost nine years. And I work in commercial aviation as my full-time job. And so my, my journey kind of started ever since I was a kid, I was always overweight. I was an only child. I spent a lot of time alone. I didn't have many friends growing up. So I spent a lot of time in front of the TV with food, boxes of cereal, popcorn, ice cream, cookies, all the good stuff. And it wasn't until I started playing football in high school where I started coming out of my social shell and started, you know, getting more friends and stuff like that. And so with football, I had to work really hard. My dream was to play division one football. So I wasn't very good coming out of high school. I had to work hard and I'm six foot six. So at the time I was about 280 pounds. Some coaches wanted me to put weight on. So I started you know, the protein shakes, the peanut butter before bed, all those nutrition myths to gain weight. But I didn't stop gaining. Right. I ended up eventually getting up to 345 pounds in college. So, I ended up so getting bit- sorry to cut you off. 6'6", 280 coming out of high school. What position were you playing? Offensive line. Oh, line. Guard, tackle, like what were just both. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Anything I, in I everything. transitioned between both. So, okay. So, that, so 6'6", 280 was a good start, but they wanted you uh bigger for college yes okay yes. and so up to you said about 340 ish i got up to 340 i didn't stop the weekend i ended up getting a full scholarship to eastern michigan and and after that i after playing football i was tired of lifting weights because everything you do with football is on a coach they're watching every set writing down all your reps so i kind of took a break and I lost a little bit of weight, but I just didn't enjoy working out. It wasn't good weight. 
Did you, and I were, still, were you part of the football program for all of college, like four years? Yes. How long did you play? Yes. Yeah. What, uh, were you around that exact size when you graduated? Like six, yes. six, three forty. Okay. Got, and got I burnt out on lifting, got burnt out on that constant go, go, go train, 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 heavier, heavier, harder, harder mindset pulled back from that a little bit. And I couldn't, I was at the point I couldn't run two laps around the track without stopping the walk. Yep. And I just didn't feel good. And I had aspirations to get into a job that required me to be very physically fit. So I did transition to just willing myself to lose weight by eating grilled chicken salads and running. I didn't lift any weights. I got down to about 295 by doing that over the about like a year and a half transition. And then I found CrossFit. And then I started transitioning to more of a paleo style diet. And that's when my relationship with food kind of took a turn for the worse because I started losing weight, but it was more like restrict, restrict, restrict. And then I would go on a tear over the weekend. And then, so long story short, I ended up getting down to about 260 pounds. I started a new job, which involved a lot of international travel and the weight just started creeping up. I worked out less and less, started eating and drinking more and more. Yep. And I found myself at 297 pounds and my son was six. My first son was six months old. When, so, when you, when you started that transition, when you went from uh, well, I guess what'd you do in between, like in between graduating college, having started CrossFit, getting down to about 260 before you landed the commercial aviation job, what were you, was that just like a transitional time where you really weren't working? Yeah, I was, I was bounce, I was doing some bouncing at a nightclub. Yep. I worked a few security jobs, but and these pod- really- you know, these podcasts are all audio. So it's surreal to me envisioning you at 340 because right now tom is is walking on a walking treadmill which i can't hear him so i trust that no one on this recording will be able to hear him but he is um it just all i can see is from like his his mid torso up based on the definition i see i would peg tom somewhere around like 15 percent body fat or lower um depending on how one stores fat it can be misleading but he is extremely 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 in shape so picturing him Anything north of of really like the two sixty you described, I mean, is is very hard. Like Tom could Tom could go probably do a physique show or be a fitness model or something. So clearly he has come a long long way. But I'm gonna stop cutting you off. All right. So into commercial aviation, um, you said you were going overseas. Is that right? So some long 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 international. Wait a flights. bit. About once once a week, once every other week. Yep. Six so, month six month old at home, high stress, crazy schedule. Did CrossFit sleep? Did CrossFit sort of cease when you when you got that uh, job? I still did it, but I never looked like I did it. Yeah, I was. I know that feeling. Refer to episode one for that. <laughs> but I would try fad diet after fad diet. We looked at my wife and I actually looked into the isogenics cleanses. We tried paleo. We always fall back to paleo. Tried some other diets too, whatever was popular at the time. Yep. And I was paleo-ish during the week, but then as soon as as soon as I would have a slice of pizza, it would be, all right, let me go get my breakfast sandwiches in the morning. Let me go yep. get Shake Shack for lunch. Let me go get this for dinner. So it was I a light it, yeah. No, it was a light switch. It wasn't a dimmer switch. It was yep, no, all it was, in or all out. Yep. yep. And 
So it wasn't until September of 2015, I was browsing through Facebook, came across somebody's page who was doing one-on-one coaching and shot him a message, started signed up, started working with them. And the weight started dropping. I went from about 297 in October of 2015, all the way down to 222 in May of 2016. And I was in the best shape of my life. My wife signed up too. She was struggling uh, postpartum to lose the weight and she, she ended up crushing it. And can, can I cut you off real quick? Yes. So outside of being in the best shape of your life, um, which obviously leads you to feeling. How did you feel graduating college at 340 versus a lot of targeted work to get to 260 versus now doing what you described, getting into best shape of your life? How, how did it change your mindset and your outlook and, and all that stuff? Well, first of all, all my life growing up, playing football, everything, being overweight, I never envisioned that for myself. Yeah. I was always kind of stuck at the fact that this is what I'm going to be like. And I never wanted it though. And it was signing up with the coach and working one-on-one was actually the easiest thing I did. I mean, it was very hard. Don't get me wrong. You still had to put in the work, but I could have pizza. I could have Shake Shack. I can have ice cream. I love ice cream. I still love ice cream. <laughs> I can still have all the things Same. I like, but I could still... It, the one-on-one coaching allowed me to make smarter choices for myself. So was it, uh, do you mind sharing their approach? Was it like macro tracking, calorie tracking, none of the above? It was, it was macro tracking. Okay. Yep. So you got framework and as long as you finish yes. within the framework, ice cream wasn't good or bad. It just cost more than some other things, Yes. but it worked. Yeah. I think that's, 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 that's what makes, you know, some semblance of food tracking, whether it's it's tracking all three macros, just calories, calories and protein. I think there's there's comfort in in security and framework, right? We don't feel yes. like we're having to to figure out what the limits are. We know the limits, and as long as we can stay somewhere within that, mm-hmm. it's up to us to nourish our bodies and have a little bit of you know the fun things to make it feel like we can do it forever. So, mm-hmm. yes. And one thing I always struggled my whole life too was emotional eating. Like I said. I spent a lot of time as a kid in front of the TV with food. I lost my father in 2008 to leukemia. Mm -hmm. So when you lose somebody, what does everybody do? They bring in food. They drop off like donuts and KFC and all this high calorie, low volume. I mean, uh, yeah, high calorie, low volume foods. Yeah. I remember just crushing a dozen donuts. Yeah. And feeling physically sick afterwards. Yeah. So Tracking macros and learning about food portions kind of helped me with emotional eating as well. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Once you, once you can, you know, data metrics, I guess data really, once you can pull data in and, and operate from, I'm going to make decisions from data rather than emotion. It's amazing. Like in every area of your life, how that changes things. Um Side note, it really is amazing. We work with a lot of teachers, a lot of nurses. Teacher Appreciation Week, you know, everyone head to the lunchroom. We got cookies and brownies and cake and pizza. And then look at nurses, right? Like this health profession. Nurse Appreciation Week. Great news, guys. Go check out the break room. And it's like, oh, uh, 
maybe eventually people will start bringing in slightly more balanced choices, some, some protein heavy yes. options. I, I don't see it happening. The great news is until then, now our people know I can probably have a donut. I'm probably going to be able to have less of these other things elsewhere in the day, but you can quantify it. You don't have, you can just slightly move the dimmer switch to where you want to strike the balance uh, that, that you feel feels good for the day. You can still partake. You can still, you know, show appreciation for people showing their appreciation for you. You can go partake in the nurses appreciation food <laughs> um, and not sabotage your day. So I, I think you really have a very similar story. You know, all of ours are different, but as I drop my shaker bottle onto the carpet, um, similar, <laughs> but different. Um, a lot of us have an athletic background. CrossFit seemed to be people that had after high school, after college, CrossFit was like the thing. We loved the team atmosphere. We loved the camaraderie, the physical challenge, the mental challenge of a tough workout that we didn't know if we were going to be able to make it through. Um, and then very similar to to sort of what my fir- uh, first CrossFit box did, it was very um, not flavor of the month because they were, they were doing it right, but they didn't really have a set nutrition protocol. So it was like paleo challenge for three months, whole 30, um, zone, things like that. Uh, which I do believe something like paleo is a hugely beneficial um, background to come from. I, I think like a paleo approach within reason, balanced how one wants, but to, like take that, combine it with quantifying what's coming in. And that's a pretty awesome, uh, you know, protocol for both uh, like physique results, but then also just super healthy, like whole body health and, and blood work. But that's neither here nor there. I told you I wouldn't go on too many tangents and interrupting <laughs> you, and I've done the exact opposite. Time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, so that that started for you. You said like in in late 2015. When did when did your wife? Um, because you said she had pretty much equal success, right? She was just yeah. Working. She started in January of 2016. Yep. And she she had a lot of uh, success as well. Yeah. Well, it's huge, as you know, because I know you've coached couples when both members of, of a couple are on board together it makes both lives so 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 much easier yes it is that, that's not to say a member of a couple can't be successful if their you know partner or spouse isn't doing it but gosh does it make it easier because emma and i same exact same exact thing uh, once we both decided that we were going to do x x got a whole lot easier rather than you know one person bringing the temptations home or however that goes. So then to now, what has, have you ever deviated from, you know, what, what, you know, worked so well for you and was so sustainable? Like, have you, have you taken breaks from tracking macros? Have you tried other things? So about 2016, you know, I hit my goal Mm -hmm. and this is why I don't like to have a set weight goal in mind because yeah, it was 222. I did lose a lot of muscle. So I wanted to gain some muscle. And my weight was about 220-ish, would go up and down based upon my workouts and what I was doing at the time. And where was I going with this? Uh, I had asked you what what you were sort of doing. Um, You found all that success. You were in the shape of your life. Did you you deviate from what brought you that? that Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, It's been a long journey. And I'm still you know, I'm still fig- figuring this out. We're not robots, you know, there's yeah, yeah. so much emotion goes into food and socialness and everything else. So I did deviate. I did gain a little bit of weight back and it wasn't more until I started focusing on mindset mm-hmm. that really helped me figure out things long-term. Yeah. And it was a, 
it was, it was mostly long-term thinking versus immediate gratification. Yep. I tell, I tell my members all the time, picture yourself walking down the street, you pass the donut shop. All of a sudden you smell the fresh baked donuts and smell delicious, right? So mm-hmm. immediately you want a donut right now. But I always, I always tell my people and myself as well, get in the habit of asking yourself questions because when you, because asking yourself questions makes you make a conscious decision yep. about what you want long-term. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can have the donut now, but I'll probably be a little bit more hungrier throughout the day. How is this donut going to help me long-term and getting practicing that over yep. and over really, really helps. Yep. There was a marshmallow, uh, a couple of years, many years ago, there was a marshmallow experiment. Did you ever see that? It was, um, it was, like, I've got like, kids yeah. that do marshmallow experiments nightly, but which one are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'll link you the study, but it was, they did a, a bunch of researchers did a study where they can give the kid one marshmallow now, or if they wait oh, 15 minutes, okay. they'll have two. Yep. And they tracked the kids for many years after. And the ones who were good at putting off gratification, delaying gratification were much more successful than the ones who were about immediate gratification. I, I believe that entirely. And, and even if it's only been, like you said, a couple, and then you realized how quick time flies and you said actually many years, even if that study was done five years ago, you have to think the number who chose one versus two, 15, you have to think that number is only that much more skewed now because mm-hmm. every next day, week, month, year, we're getting things faster and easier and faster and easier. So we're just getting yes. conditioned for everything now in this instant. Don't, you know, I don't have to put it off. I deserve to get the thing now. Prime Prime can have it to me in three hours. Sorry, UPS driver. I want it now. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, it, and you really, that's sort of, I think what we've both been sort of pointing back to is you have to find a way to set yourself up to not act on every emotion. It, and, uh, you know, even when you said like asking yourself questions, that's giving you a chance to really analyze the, the data upstairs. The more data you have, the less you have to, to act based on emotion. And that's not to say you can never live. You can take a vacation. You can like enjoy the special days where you can go, you know what data, I'm going to put you away for the day. I'm not going to open my fitness pal today. That's good. You should be balanced. Yes. Um, but most of the time, just like our bank accounts, we should have a pretty good grasp on on the data and not acting purely on emotion because that usually yes. leads to excess. Excess anything in life doesn't usually lead us anywhere, you know, real good. And I love to use tracking as a tool, mm-hmm. and but instead focus on the broader picture of strategies and thinking long term. Like some strategies, like if you're going out to dinner, for instance. Um, I'm a big believer in making better decisions, such as if you sit down to order your entree, ask your server to box up half your entree before it hits the table. So you're less likely to clean your plate. Yeah. Um, I I think that's huge, you know, and, and people, something like that. So something I encourage my members to do because there's something about food. There's something about being out in a social setting with friends or family where, um, everyone's afraid they're going to be judged for their food choice. And so something I always recommend to all my people is if you're, if you're on like the, the, a no drinking push, like you're, you know, dry July or just focusing on a lot less and you know that you're going to be influenced by others' choices, be the first one to order. Set the, it's not even really setting the tone, but be proud to be the person making a healthy choice in line with their goals. 
So if you're the yes. first one to order, it, you're like, wow, we're going to this really nice Italian place. I don't want to get the Caesar salad with dressing on the side. Everyone else is going to order the chicken parm and the lasagna and then this. Order first. You're going to enjoy yourself. They're going to enjoy themselves. No one's going to judge your choice. And by ordering first, you're not having to possibly choose something else than you would have at the last second because you just want to fall in line with everyone else. Same deal with drinking. Order your drink first. The Diet Coke's pretty good. I prefer Coke Zero, but there's nothing wrong with Diet Coke. Order that. Everyone else can order their drink. Have a good as you know a good as time as anyone else is having, but don't. It's self awareness, right? It's setting yourself up yes. to not be influenced by what the other people are doing. I love your idea. Can you box half of it? You know, before you even bring it out. Most commercial servings are like three to four, maybe even more times the serving size than we would make at home. Yes. Um, so you could realistically, realistically, probably eat half of any entree from a restaurant and be more than satisfied. And then you have lunch for tomorrow. Win-win. <laughs> yes. Especially serving sizes in the US compared to Europe and Asia. Yep. All the other countries around the world. Our portions in the US are so much larger. Than Cowboy size. Elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> the John Wayne special. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, it really is uh, almost wild. So I don't know about you guys. Emma and I um, used to go out to eat a lot. A lot, a lot. Not like not anything real fancy, but just meals out were like a constant. Um, you know, we both work from home. Going out it, to eat is just an, like an excuse to leave the house. It's like a recreational thing. It's like it can become a hobby. Um, but you get so used to just these crazy inflated serving sizes that then you make your food at home and you're like, you know, what is this rabbit food? Like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> and it's really just because you spent so much time eating out that you, like you were conditioned to these, you know, jumbo serving sizes and really those weren't normal that was just how they serve food out so yeah man i love the idea of of boxing and food and food costs money too so people want to get the most value they can so they most many people feel if they leave some food on the table they're wasting and they're wasting their money so that's why i like the boxing up another strategy i like is putting your fork down in between each bite because how many times do you picture yourself out to eat you're chewing your food and your next uh bite is already preloaded on your fork ready to go yeah um that guy i I am the (laughs) fast eater it to an embarrassing like if i don't stay self-aware and remind myself of that i don't always put my fork down but i really try to stay mindful of it i will be the first one finished with food every single time we eat like every time i think a lot of it it, it's pretty fascinating really i think a lot of that can be traced back to like one's childhood and their parents childhood and how they grew up and and um, not scarcity, but you know what I mean? Like, yes, I don't know. I don't want to go down that whole rabbit hole of deepness, but it, I really think you can trace some of that back to toward into that side of things. Um, but I am yes. definitely the guy that really, really breezes right through a meal and everyone else is still eating. And I'm like, what's taking everyone so long? And really it's been like three minutes. Um, so I have to stay very, very aware of that. <laughs> So just some, just some overall strategies, but uh, I use tracking as a tool. So I, I have different stages of my own personal nutrition. I'm a big believer in use tracking as a tool to get to what goal you want, but then transition away. Yeah. I still track my protein intake, carbs and fat. I'm kind of, I kind of know where I'm at for the most part, but I, I like to, uh, one of my favorite things to do is lift weights. So I like to hit a certain amount of protein per day, but I always tell people too: always try to transition away. Try to use a scale for the uh, first couple of weeks after you hit your goal, 
kind of guess the portion and then compare it to the scale weight. Yep. Um, just, just to try to move away from tracking. So, and when you say you use it as a tool, it like, it's, it's always there. It's in your toolbox and yes. your, your toolbox, you know, metaphorically is with you daily. So what are examples of times when you would pull that tool back out of your toolbox and put it back into active use? After vacations, usually, yeah. um, you know, if you go on a vacation or, you know, over the holidays, if you, if you're monitoring your scale weight and you're just not really happy with what you see, or you want to tighten things up a little bit, it's a great tool to pull out, pull out and, and use again. Yep. But I like to say tool because there's so many other things that go into it. Um, I like to track steps. I like to track water intake. I like to track sleep as well. So tracking is not the end all be all. It's just a tool that you can use. And it, it builds the awareness. Terry, uh, Terry Luna, longtime friend of mine, former colleague. Uh, we got we got to talking one day. I think she she had made a post, and essentially what the conversation turned into was uh, like if you look at, at sort of how you were eating for purpose, right? To to bulk up to be a better offensive lineman. The more mass you had, the better because you were filling yep. a bigger hole in the O line. Um, that was one end of the picture of pendulum, right? Uh, with, with no motion, it's just hanging right down the middle. You were off to one end, basically just eating absolutely anything you could get your hands on because the the sole goal was to get as big as possible to be the best O-lineman possible. Um, that's one end of the, of the pendulum swing. The far opposite end is running, 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 grilled chicken salad. That's it. So you have these two extreme ends of the pendulum. And I think tracking gets you to a place where the pendulum can still swing. It's just a lot more controlled swing, much smaller swing. And it keeps you sort of in this middle ground area where you can move back in either direction, but man, it's a much smaller swing. So you have a much easier time coming back to center. And I think that's, that's the goal. It, there, there can always be a pendulum. You just want to have, I think, more controlled swings, stay aware, stay making active choices. When you choose, if you walk by the donut shop today and say, it wasn't planned, I don't want to deviate, but I can plan it for tomorrow. You know, then that's a smaller pendulum swing, right? You're in yes. active control. It's just like when you want to save for something financially, you budget, 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 you get it, yep. you don't budget. And then you're like, all right, let's tighten things up a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of the same thing with food. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you're not going to go shopping with your credit card and just buy things at random and then look at the bill and be like, wow, that's How did this a happen? lot of money I spent. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with uh, food. So Yeah. 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 Tom. So... Tom coached me a bit. Uh, Tom is an absolutely amazing coach. Uh, he's an amazing friend. I, I always hoped he could somehow end up here. He had a solo coaching practice uh, and I was lucky enough for him to want to come here. Um, so he is here now, but I did spend time working with him as his client. He had a lot of uh, really good methodologies that looking once he, once he explains them to you and walks you through them, they seem like they should be obvious, but I don't think they're apparent or obvious for anyone. And so he has some like natural ability and knack one to connect with absolutely everyone, but two to take, um, take some concepts and just put them, help us put them into application for ourselves. Um, and, and you just like immediately see the benefit. So like the, um, the box, you know, box half my entree, please, before you bring it out or, you know, save to take inventory, ask yourself some questions before you just splurge on the donut in the moment. Um, things like that. Something that Tom helped me work on 
because as we know, most diets fail. Why do most diets fail? Because when they use the term diet, they're speaking solely of extremely, extremely, extremely low controlled calories with no habit change. Tom has an amazing ability. I think he's actually got a certification from the company in, in instilling habit change, which in my opinion, habit change, we are, you know, we are the, the sum of our habits. So habit change is synonymous with uh, lifestyle change. Tom has an amazing ability to help one change their habits. Uh, so typically the, the sort of the, the, the second half of any of these podcasts I do with a coach for the first time is I ask them to share something sort of um, that they feel passionate talking about. I sort of volunteered Tom to talk about this because I think it's amazing and I think it can help a lot of people. Um, I don't remember like the actual name of the, the methodology or, or the cert, but I know it was heavily built on starter steps. I will shut up and I will let you talk about it if you don't mind. <laughs> So the cert I completed uh, two years ago was the Tiny Habits Academy certification uh, based on the book, Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg, a Stanford University professor. And I read many habit books, Power of Habit, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. But none of those habit books ever, it always felt hard and difficult. I know many people have had success with atomic habits, but I, I never, I never got much from that book, to be honest with you. I read tiny habits and I absolutely loved it because what I feel that book does differently is it focuses on starter steps, number one, and you change best by feeling good. So that, that book requires you to celebrate yourself. So I will say motivation, it's kind of like that you know, that wild party friend from college that we all had that never grew up. They're still doing the same thing. They're good to call every once in a while for a fun night out, but you would never call them to pick you up from the airport like 7 a.m. Because they're... Yeah, yeah. Probably that's not just like It's just like... Moti- yeah. <laughs> they're just like... That's just like what motivation is. Motivation's there sometimes, and it's great when it's there, but you can never depend upon it. So... I like starter steps. A starter step is a precursor to a habit. So say for instance, Monday comes, you haven't ran in a couple of years. You want to start a new workout routine. You're starting couch to 5k. So I'm not familiar with the couch to 5k program. So don't quote me on the exact. uh, Well, I'll lay it out. It's an absolutely awesome program to get someone uh, that is physically capable as far as like no injuries, um, no reason that they can't complete a 5k in three to four months time, except for the fact that they've not trained for it. They've been literally on the couch for however many years now. So it's, it's aimed at getting an extreme newbie to running able to finish a 5k in three months time. So day one, you're highly motivated. You got your program, you're ready to crush it. You go out, you run a mile. You feel pretty good after Tuesday morning comes. You, you have to do another mile. You're sore. The weather's still pretty nice. You go out, you run your mile, not nearly as good as yesterday, but you did it. So Wednesday morning comes. It's thunder and lightning. It's cold. It's you're extremely sore and tired and you have no motivation. Motivation is nowhere to be found. What do do most people do? I'm going to skip it. And then Thursday comes. They're even more sore. They're the weather is still not cooperating. They skip it. So they're out of the habit. And what I, what I like to do is focus on starter steps. So what's a starter step to run? You could put your shoes on. 
All right. And I like to put your, put your shoes on, celebrate because you change best by feeling good. And by celebrating, you give yourself a hit of dopamine and everybody has their own personal celebration. Some people high five themselves. Some people pump their fists and say, yes, some people, anything, um, because you, because this is a hard task. So you want to, you want to make sure you feel as good as you possibly can. So what I would like to do is, okay, Monday, you put your shoes on, you celebrate, and then anything you do after that is extra credit. So you go out for your run, you feel good. Tuesday, you do the same thing, shoes on, celebrate, and you go out for your run. Wednesday comes, same thing. Uh, You're sore, you're tired, the weather's not cooperating. You put your shoes on, celebrate, and then you take your shoes off because, and then you did your habit. Um, And then rather than being down on yourself or skipping your run and breaking the habit, you did your habit. So you feel good about yourself. And that's why I like focusing on starter steps because, you know, it's motivation's never going to be there. So many things are against your, out of your control, but you can Mm -hmm. always, do the starter step, no matter how sick you are, how tired you are, how low motivation is, etc. Yeah. So, uh, and that's why I like it. And it, so. it creates odds are it, all other things equal. Same, same crappy Wednesday weather. There's a big difference between before you even roll out of bed, you just hit snooze because you know what the weather is. You're not feeling it versus I've walked over to the shoe rack. I've put my shoes on, my running shoes are on. Dang, that already feels good. I've celebrated that. Much, much, much more likely to look out the window and go, ah, weather's not looking. You know what? I already feel good. My shoes are already on. What the heck? I'll go do a mile. Yeah. You're probably going to get out the door. Maybe not every time, but a heck of a lot more times than if you just hit snooze. So that's, so, that's, that's super awesome. Um, Tom helped me a lot to, to sort of do more things like that. Uh, I consider myself a pretty driven, motivated individual, but I'm also still, um, very, very human. I still have very human emotions. I still have days where I wish motivation were higher. I have days where I'm responsible for certain things. Life intervenes, chaos erupts, the things don't get done. And so this again is sort of feeding back to the, the on again, off again, light switch versus dimmer switch, all or nothing. There is something to be said for like the small victories and small victories especially when you start racking them up consecutively, usually lead to bigger things. So same deal. Okay. I want to start working out, but gosh, the only window I have of the day is a 6am class. Lay your, lay your clothes out the night before. If you get out of bed and put those workout clothes on, make that your only goal for the next morning. But if they're on, odds are you'll probably go to that class rather than put the clothes on, celebrate it, feel that dopamine, and then say, nah, let's go back to bed. Some days, yeah, maybe you go back to bed, yeah. but more often than not, you're probably going to get out the door, do the thing you committed to, and then that's another huge win. And it's momentum. I mean, at the heart of everything that we work on here, it's just small choices leading to momentum. Once the momentum's going, you'll probably rarely, rarely even think of the term motivation because you will have literally created a new way of doing things, a new lifestyle. You'll feel more uneasy skipping workouts than the uneasiness that comes from you know, the prospect of doing a workout when you're not feeling it. It, it. And it's, I think why certain people have a difficult time describing what motivates you, what drives you. You get to a point where 
it's just automatic. You start, you like, you're doing the things that once scared you because they're just ingrained and mostly through like what Tom is saying, very, very small things done consistently over time. And for the people that don't have time to work out, I get, it. I have two kids, busy job, busy life, everything. Sometimes life gets in the way. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a set 20 minute, 30 minute workout. You can, you can attach a workout to something you do every day, like a good anchor. What's, what's something everybody does multiple times throughout the day? They wash their hands, right? So as soon as you wash your hands, do two air squats yep. or more if you have time. Yep. And I, I do this quite a bit. And over the course of the day, wash your hands, especially with all the stuff going on with COVID now and everything else. You, wash, you could do over uh, 200 air squats sometimes. Like if you do like 10 every time you wash your hands or et cetera, it doesn't have to be a set full blown workout. You can do two push ups every time you wash your hands yeah, or every no, time you do I something. Mean, every, every, time you, every time you walk through the door, do, drop and do two push ups as a starter step. Absolutely and awesome. Then, and then you can always do more. So just little things like that, like little opportunities for movement. I always say too, 10,000 steps is a lot of steps for most people to hit. Yeah. Everybody watches Netflix, right? I know mm-hmm. Stranger Things just got released and, and all these other great shows. So if you watch an hour show, walk in place in front of the TV for five minutes and sit for five minutes. Over the course of an hour show, that's 30 minutes of movement. Yep. So it doesn't... It, it doesn't have to be, oh, I need to go out and walk like four miles to get my steps. It could be little opportunities throughout the day. Which is how we want steps to be. We want to be getting yes. them as organically, naturally. You don't want to have a, right now I'm hitting 15,000 steps. That is keeping wow. me very honest. I cannot front load or back load the day. It is lots and lots and lots of very moderate, you know, little to moderate efforts. But if I do it correctly, it doesn't feel terrible. If I'm at 3,000 steps at 7 p.m. and I have to walk 12,000 steps, which for most adults would be around six miles or so, um, mm-hmm. that's a whole lot of walking. And that's also me treating walking as now an exercise goal instead of neat, which is supposed to be a nice sprinkled into my normal day movement. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's, you know, more awesome Awesome. Awesome. We, we need to do a live in the group. We need to, to, um, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. We will schedule it. See that we're planning live on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we, we will do it. Let's do it one day next week because yeah. so, so, so many have a whole slew of habits that they want to put into place. They don't know where to start putting them into place. And I really think, um, the starter step approach is a huge, huge deal. And the people that sit in on that live week one, I think by week two or three would be like, nailed it. Let's build some yeah, more. Because you guys doing the live, you could take the questions as they come and that'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We, we will plan for that. Um, well, this was, I think this was really good. Awesome background yeah. on you. Everyone knows your story a bit more. Um, tiny habits, starter steps. To me, that is your absolute wheelhouse, which is not to detract because I think you are an absolutely amazing coach overall and that's something that i think is is unique to you and only uh then complements all the other uh awesome aspects of your coaching um something i how do i do it gosh we really need to record more podcasts so i can actually remember three tips for someone that is on a body body change journey three tips overall that can be as broad or as targeted as you want what are, what are three bits of advice you would give to anyone that's um trying to change their body for the better walk more i feel instead of restricting food or 
watching food intake, many people aren't moving as much. That's why, you know, they are where they are. I feel like adding more steps gradually throughout your day can really help uh, sleep and look at your sleep. Yep. So many times, like many, many people now run on four to six hours a night, which isn't ideal. And, and wear it like a badge of honor. I try to not cut this part off, but it's, it's almost like how little can I sleep and how much praise can I get for how little I sleep and how much of a workaholic I am. That is not admirable. If your friends are praising that, you have the wrong friends. Find friends that celebrate the right things. Yes. Sorry. Rant over. And water intake. So many times we can mistake hunger for thirst. If we're de- uh, dehydrated, that can cause us to eat a lot more calories than normal. So yeah. So steps, sleep, and water intake. Steps, Those are the three things. Sleep and water are the top three areas of focus that Tom, the certified professional nutrition coach that has lost over 100 pounds himself and kept it off, he had three opportunities to share tips. We, we spoke mostly about nutrition, but you can see how the lifestyle habits superseded any need for him to mention nutrition. If we're doing the little things consistently and we get to a better and better place with food, it's amazing how little nutrition plays in once we're there. It's it's the little things that that we sort of downplay. So I think those are amazing. I think that honestly says it all and puts us in a really good place to wrap this, man. Um, any final thoughts? I cut you off so many times. Anything that's still on your mind that you want to throw out? No, I, I appreciate this opportunity. You know how I feel about you. I think the world of you and you've been a mentor to me. You're the reason I, I am in this industry. So I just want to thank you for everything you've done for me. And it's, it's cool. Uh, we're working together again. This is great. I agree, man. I can't, I can't wait to see things fold out here in the coming months and years. Um, you are a very, very valuable um, team member. And I'm, I'm pumped for myself that you're here and for everyone that's going to work with you in the future. We will be doing a live next week. We're going to sync up after this and figure out what day and we will post in the group. But man, Tom, thank you for making time for us all today. This will hopefully go live maybe start of next week, Monday. Um, Until then, thank you guys for tuning in again and uh, we will catch you next time. All right, so that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to Fed Up from Falcon Nutrition. We hope you learned a thing or two or at worst, had a little fun with us. Please make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes and make sure you hit us up if we can answer any questions for you. Talk to you next time.